have you um, share with me your story, sort of just start at the beginning and um, kind of how you met and what happened with the relationship from there. Great. Um, I had been married previously and divorced, so um, was being very careful in how I found um, my partner in crime <laughs> and um, took the sage advice of family and friends to look within our church. And um, that is where I met my husband and um, fell instantly um, smitten with him and he for me. And we did have quite a long courtship, um, probably about two years, and then just decided to be married. Alice and her husband left the West Coast and came to Lincoln, where that early happiness soon evaporated. It's been more than a decade since Alice and her children escaped the abuse. Alice has a new life. She doesn't let the abuse define her or stop her from believing in the good in humanity. The Journal Star is grateful to her for sharing her story. We've changed her name to protect her anonymity. And with this podcast, we hope to shine a light on domestic violence and its impact through the voice of one woman. Um, once I moved to Nebraska, I, I brought my two daughters from my previous marriage, and um, all was going well at first, although my family had concerns about him had already. Um, they had already kind of seen some things that maybe I wasn't, my eyes weren't open to, being so, I like to say, sometimes we're in the middle of the forest and it's harder to see. Um, however, um, we just try to make it work. And I think always when it's your second marriage, you try to make things work that much harder. You feel like you really don't want to fail. Um, and I think that's also another way that a lot of, um, unfortunately, abusers kind of use that um, to their advantage. Um, so, you know, I was giving it my all in, our, in my marriage, certainly not perfect, but um, always striving uh, to have a good marriage. And slowly but surely, little things kept transpiring where um, the rules were constantly changing. Is the best way to describe it is as soon as you would figure out ways to make everyone happy and the home peaceful, the rules would all change again. And it was always your, my fault, and it was always the kid's fault. It was never his fault. One night, one of those little things got bigger. Alice was home in the bedroom, tired from a long day and newly pregnant, although she didn't know it then. Her husband demanded she fix dinner, and she refused. The couple began to argue, and he pushed Alice out of the bedroom and locked the door. To keep the peace, she went to the kitchen and began to cook. I made some dinner, and I took it um, to him and knocked on the door, and he told me to leave it on the floor outside the door. And... That just enraged me all the more. <laughs> so I just twisted the handle of the door until it popped, the lock popped. It wasn't a real strong, it was just a little bedroom door push-in lock, so I knew I could twist it <laughs> enough to get it. And it sure did, and when I went in there, it was just so livid with the way I was being treated, like lower than a person, and the way he continued to talk to me in that moment, and the look he gave me. I poured his drink over his head, and I was just very frustrated. Um, and then he proceeded to grab me by the hair, throw food in my face, throw a plate at my head when I finally did get away from him and made it to the other side of the bed, and the plate just nearly missed my head. 
And then he called the police on me um, to say that I was abusing him. It was such a scary moment in my life because I've never in my life felt this out of control in a moment that somebody could have that much power over you and your family that it's really literally just he said, she said, and all of a sudden your night is completely upside down. So we went and stayed. My daughters and I left the house because the police said if somebody had to leave. And so we, he said he refused to, so we did. We took our cats, we took, I took the girls, and I went and stayed at a friend's house. And I use the term friend loosely. It was just somebody we had gone to church with <laughs> since we'd been here the short time we had been. They were nice enough to bring us in. Alice sought counsel at her church. By now she knew she was pregnant, and with a baby on the way, she and her husband jointly decided to try and work on their marriage. Things got better, she says, but never for long. Her husband went back to his pattern of raging over little things. Shoes not put away, his lunch packed wrong. One day he took out his rage on Alice's oldest daughter from her first marriage, a frequent target and a teenager who refused to obey one of his commands. It just kept getting worse, and he just completely shut down. I remember looking at his face, and his eyes were like he wasn't even there. And I was truly scared at that moment because I knew it wasn't good, and he was completely focused on my daughter and walking towards her. And we were in the kitchen at the time and went around to the living room, and we had stairs that led down to the basement. Um, there was a couple steps, a landing, and then the long steps to the basement. And he had kind of cornered her up to those couple of stairs and was just right in her face yelling at her. And I wedged myself between them and just put my hands on his chest and just tried to talk him down, just tried to calm him down, like, let's just not do this, let's calm down, it's not worth it. And I don't even remember everything I said, but my kids were all there. And witnessing this, unfortunately, I remember... My youngest son um, was there spanking him at the time, not realizing the magnitude of the situation, saying, bad daddy, bad daddy, um, which only made it worse. Um, if he even knew what was going on, honestly, he was in such a trance and so fixated on our oldest. Um, so when I told him to calm down and they kept just yell, he was yelling, she was having the teenage strength behind her and passion of how she felt um, and her responses. It just was escalating, and he threw me aside, and I landed into our solid oak table and chair set, and um, he pushed my daughter down the stairs. Um, thankfully, she hit the wall so hard that it broke her fall. She didn't go quite all the way down the stairs. She went midway down the stairs, um, but it was still very terrifying for all of us. Um, and that was the breaking point for me. That was the moment where I said enough. And the only way I can explain it to people that always say, why don't you just leave? <laughs> Is that it's not that easy. You have children that are at risk and you always want to be a protector over all of them. And you have to get yourself to safety. And it's not an easy thing to do when you have such a manipulative human being who is very good at what they're doing, constantly watching your every move.
Alice became a prisoner in her home. By now the couple had two toddlers, and Alice knew she had to leave. She'd called the friendship home and put her name on its waiting list. She wrote her will on a computer at work. But her husband did everything to stop her. He locked the children's car seats in a shed to prevent her from leaving with them. He blocked her car in the garage with his. He had his mother move into their house, instructing her to keep an eye on Alice, who tried to flee a dozen times, stopped short with every attempt. I was never quite fast enough, she says. I was locked in this house with this man who was just raging. I was terrified. I had bruises from my shoulder to my ankle on my left side of my body from being thrown into that table that I honestly could not even remember happening to me until days later. We finally got away. Um, he had gone to put gas in his truck um, one night after we put the babies to bed. And it was the worst year for snowstorms. We had this horrific ice storm. <laughs> and so it was really bad weather outside. And it was pitch black dark in the night. His mom was in the living room sitting in my rocking chair. And I picked both children up, one under each arm, blankets around him. I knew I wasn't going to stop for shoes or jackets because I knew I didn't have time if anything had taught me. <laughs> it was all the times I'd been caught before. So I grabbed them both and I, I got out of the house, got in the garage, couldn't open that garage door fast enough, threw the kids in my car, no car seats. <laughs> didn't even bother to put seatbelts on them at the time because I didn't have time. Locked the doors once I got in. I was being yelled at by his mother the whole way out of the house. What a bad mother I was. For a woman who gets lost everywhere she goes, let me tell you, <laughs> for some reason that night I didn't make one wrong turn in the dark. <laughs> that night from the home of a co-worker who took her in, Alice called the police. The officer performed a wellness check on the children, a safeguard in case her husband claimed she was the abusive party, as he had in the past. The next morning, Alice and the kids arrived at the courthouse in their pajamas to file a protection order. And later that day, her phone rang. The friendship home had an open bed. As exciting and wonderful as that is, in that moment in time when your life has completely been turned upside down and you come from this upper middle class life of having a wonderful home and good jobs and family that loves you and to have like all of that all of a sudden completely upside down now you're thankful to have a shelter reach out to you tell you they have a bed for you um it was such a blessing but a scary thing all at the same time and um, i just remember sitting at a fast food restaurant with my kids <laughs> for as long as i could that evening um letting them, we all shared one meal, because uh, he cleaned my accounts out as well, so I had what I had on me, that's all I had, and um, we shared a happy meal, and refilled that drink about a thousand times that night, and they played, um, you know, in the play center for as long as we could, and uh, then we finally made our way before it was curfew time, I knew I had only so much time to get there, and we went, and we were welcomed with loving arms, um, the staff is the first thing that I can tell you was my greatest memory. They were just so empathetic, so kind, in a moment where everything else felt so harsh. Um, they were just so understanding and supportive in every way. And um, I was still so in shock, but when she reached over and handed me, 
each of my children got a, a brand new stuffed animal, tags still placed on their little ears, and gave those to them and handed me brand new towels with the tags still on them and washcloths. It doesn't sound like a heck of a lot, but I'm gonna tell you it was like she handed me a million dollars. Alice recently started working in a field that gives her the opportunity to help others. Her dream job, she says. Her younger children are doing well and see their father regularly. Her older kids are thriving too and have made her a young grandmother. She still sleeps with a bat by her bed and she still double checks her locks. But she doesn't let the fear or the past rule her present. At the end of the day, it's something that happened to us, she says. It doesn't define us. Last Sunday, Alice and her family walked their neighborhood, knocking on doors and collecting money for Friendship Homes Safe Quarters campaign, like they do every autumn as a way to give back. She'll keep telling her story as a way to heal her past. And hopefully, she says, it will help someone else. <laughs>